Hello and welcome to The Connected Mindset. I'm your host, Greg Tomchik, and each week we bring you the stories and strategies to help connect you to your wildest dreams. Today's episode is presented by Hale House. I recently came across cold therapy and it has been a game changer for my routine. If you care about the well-being of your body, check out Hale House, that's H-A-L-E House, LLC.com. And if you're in the Hampton Roads region, check them out in Chesapeake, Virginia. That's HaleHouseLLC.com. Today's guest is no stranger to building community, something that we all want to be a part of. Simon Linstead went from a successful financial advisor to now leading the cybersecurity industry's top community. He has lessons that we can all learn when it comes to surrounding ourselves with the right people and making things happen in unconventional ways. So without further ado, let's dive in. Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life. And I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Simon, welcome to the show, my friend. Looking forward to having you on. I love the intro. I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's it's a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to be on. It really is, Greg. Um, we haven't spoken for nine, ten months, yeah. maybe. Um, yeah. And before we get started, I'd just like to say to everyone watching, if it wasn't for Greg, um, there would be no InfoSec Live community. Um, a, a year and a bit ago, it was thanks to his emotional and financial support that the, the community actually continued. So before we go anywhere, just let I know you didn't know I was going to say that, but I just want to say a massive thank you from me and my family for all of your support. It really, really does mean a lot. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. It's all about people. This show wouldn't exist without Simon and, and the, the mind and the mindset that you brought you know, to that equation. It was a win-win um, at the end of the day. You taught us how to put on a show, which Thanks, is- man which is incredible. You know, we're trying and you, cer- and you certainly are. It's awesome. <laughs> yep. No, it's, it's, uh, it's all about impact. You know, you symbolize that in a very complex world. And, you know, when I got out of baseball, I was trying to connect to those mindsets and you meet people like you along the way who it's not all perfect. It's not all sunshine and rainbows like we look for in our lives. Um, but you come across people that really touch you in your heart and mind and that's what makes it all worth it and it's it's not it's not perfect we're going to talk about that today just a little bit about you know the beautiful mess that takes place a lot of times when we're creating we're not fully in one piece you know we're we're a little bit all over the place you know we have things going on over here things going on over there but that helps us bring something unique to the equation um i think um i think if i could just go back 
back to your intro might be a good place to start that, where I think your words were, went from successful financial advisor to community founder. Um, it's not actually true. I, I mean, I was a successful business owner and financial advisor, but where I was before the community was homeless, destitute, and in a pretty bad way through drinking too much and being an absolute mess. So it's that bit, ironically, that teaches you the important parts, not the success. And maybe we'll we'll touch on the importance of some adversity in your life and how that helps to shape things moving forward. Oh, we absolutely will. I think that's a, a key part. That's what helps people learn. I think yeah. it's, it's the analogy of putting your hand on the hot stove. And until you do that, your mind says, I'm interested in that hot stove. I'm interested to see what that would do. Or that looks pretty, you know, there's food up there I need to grab. And I think that analogy is so relevant in a lot of our lives where we're looking at things and we want to dive into that unknown. And then we get, you know, we get burned along the way at different path, uh, points in that journey. And then <clears throat> we learn the lesson. Um, but those lessons aren't, it, you learn it and then you're at the destination. It's a complete process. And that's, that's kind of how I want to start the conversation is, and we'll, we'll get to some of those foundational items. But you basically <clears throat> were going through that situation. You, you were pivoting. You were looking for your next opportunity. You know, you chose the cybersecurity industry. You saw all of these different disconnected pieces. And that we talk a lot about, you know, the connected mindset, being more connected and connecting the dots. And we talked about that a little bit before the show. Yeah. What did well, that process feel like when it came to there's a lot of broken pieces here. I have some skills from my past career and I'm going to help connect the dots and hopefully enroll some people throughout that, that want to be along for the journey. And what was that process like and how hard was it? It's, it's not an easy process. It's, 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 it's not. Um, I think going back to your, <clears throat> your comment about the destination, I think the key thing about this at the point I was in my life, there was no destination other than getting better and becoming a better person. And I'd spent my entire adult life chasing money and I'd done really well at that. Um, that was my misguided, I suppose, idea of success was shiny things, cars, watches, you know, all the stuff that social media and the rest of the world tells us we need to be successful. And, and when you have all that and you realize that you're still internally really unhappy and a little bit broken, um, I spent a good 18 months getting better before I decided to do anything in 2020. And for me, the lesson that I'd learned personally was that you've got to find out what your success actually means to you. And for me, it was through that nasty learning curve, self-inflicted, I might say, learning curve that I'd gone through. It made me realize that being content and happy was far more important and not relatable to having a, a sports car on the drive and having been being there for your family and your friends is what was important. All things that I'd done really badly at for the previous few years because I've been chasing money. And I decided to come into this industry, not because I identified any problems with it at that point, but because my lifelong passion has always been technology. And I didn't know anyone in the industry in the UK or the US or anywhere 
found a website called Cyberary, which told me I could become a pen tester in six months, which clearly didn't happen. Um, again, another part of that learning process, which led me down hyper-focused on studying for about a year, failed my OSCP. And in that course of time, I spoke to loads of people, like people like yourself, uh, people trying to break in, CISOs, and realize that there was lots of disconnects in the industry and lots of false information flying around with regards to do this course, get a hundred grand job. Um, and I'd set up a, a website for my wife's business because I hadn't been working, which was actually a sales funnel to help her sell video marketing services that we hadn't used after I'd landed my first kind of sales role in the industry. And I fitted it up as InfoSec Live one afternoon um, to put some free resources on there to help people with soft and social skills and try and bring people together because I didn't have any support network around me. So I decided to create one and try and help other people. And going back to what it is, what I said earlier about working out what your idea of success is, the other thing I'd learned over the last sort of 12, 18 months before that was that helping other people was making me better. And it was making me happy and giving me a purpose. So there was never any intention to set up a community. Um, I'd intended to come in as a, as a junior pen tester, which never happened. Um, that all helped me identify where my previous skills could perhaps fit in. And this goes back, I suppose, to the, the question that you asked. Looking, having 25 odd years of business experience, but not in this industry and coming in with this much knowledge and seeing it from a, I suppose, a mile high view, it was clear that there were lots of successes, but also lots of things that weren't working particularly well. Um, the, the recruitment processes, the hiring processes, people's expectations, their own expectations being mismanaged by some training providers and certificate providers about what, what they could do and how they could succeed. And all I've, all I've tried to do ever since is, to give people a pane of glass to see things a little bit clearer and give people that community and familial support around that. So then there never was a destination. Um, there still isn't one. And I think this is where we link it back to the mindset piece. Forget the destination. It's the journey, right? It's now that matters. It's this now, this conversation is what matters. And I think I've said this to you before and probably people who've seen me on the live stream have heard it before, but meditation changed my life back in 2020, allowing me recently diagnosed with ADHD, the ability to recenter and clear my mind of all that internal dialogue. And I think whilst we we're very good at pointing fingers and blaming the hiring practices and blaming this and blaming that, what really matters is this. And you can make excuses for things or you can look at things differently and achieve what you want to achieve. And it, and it is possible, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it's incredible to hear that story from your perspective, because when we look from the outside, it looks intentional, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No. And I think if, yeah. if you look closely, it's been the other part of the question was, what's the journey been like? It's been super rewarding. I've made like yourself, some amazing friends, all around the world from it. We've built a community of approaching 6,000 people around the world who are now finally, and this has been the frustration, finally mucking in and 
kind of helping each other like a family or a community should do. And and while we're on that, I think a big reason for that is the last few months we've had Precious in there as community director driving things forward because it gets to a point where you can't do everything. You can't engage with everyone all the time. And because there was no plan behind it, I had to find a way to earn money whilst doing the community. So the YouTube channel was set up as a way to look to monetize the community so people didn't have to pay for the community itself. And so far, so good. It's now turned into turned into an events business. So who knows what's coming next, though, Greg? I've got no... I've said this to you before. I never wanted my own business again because of the way I destroyed everything. I, I can't actually have a limited company at the moment. Um, again, this is very candid and very open for anyone who's watching. I'm still declared bankrupt in the UK and have been for over three years now. Um, I've just instructed some lawyers to reach out and try and put an end to that. But until that's happened, I can't set up a not-for-profit company. I can't set up a limit. I'm rightly so because I messed up a few years ago. But there's a bit of frustration from my point at the moment that I can't move things forward a little bit more. But you make your bed, you lie in it, right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Is that a really British expression, by the way? <laughs> I don't hear that much, but I, I do value it because I know what it means. And, you know, it, it takes time to, you know, work through those. But I think a lot of our process that's not commonly looked at is we have to rule things out, not just rule things in, right? We have to try different things. We have to experience before we realize, you know, what we have, what we can say yes to, Um and and the pa the past does trickle with all of us. We've all made mistakes, and it makes us better for it. It makes us better people. Um, at the end of the day, it makes us better business. Well, I think I think better. it I think it can. Um, I think it took me too long to work that out, and I'm sure there's other people the same. Where for a long time you don't learn from those mistakes, and it's back to the mindset thing where it's always someone else's fault. Yeah. And I think the real moment of clarity for me is when you start to take ownership. It's no one's fault that I went from millionaire bankrupt but my own. It's no one's fault that my family lost their home. It's no one's fault apart from mine that I was, you know, on the streets for a bit and living in a caravan. It was all done through this. And I've never succeeded in sport as, as much as you have in your younger days, but I swam at a very high level. Um, I've always competed and been very competitive in everything that I do. But it's not it's not just it's not just about that is it it's about realizing that you can create huge success with this but i destroyed everything in 18 months through the same thing through the mindset but the wrong mindset and i think it's not until you take ownership that it's you who's controlling your own destiny and joe said it actually um yeah, Joe says, accept it when it comes to the HMRC, which is the tax man here in the UK. I didn't actually end up owing the tax man anything, Joe, luckily, because they are not a pleasant people to, not a pleasant people to, um, to owe money to. But Joe said, I know it's scary to realise, but we have a lot of control over our lives. And I think that's the thing that we need to realise, that we have got control over our lives. And no, things aren't always going to be good, but it's down to us how we react to it. And it's down to us how we deal with it. And again... I think a lot of the things that I used to spend my time worrying about weren't things that had happened. They were things that my internal dialogue was worrying that's going to happen. And then what happens is you end up manifesting those problems 
because you're thinking about them so much, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you can learn to spin that on its head and think positively, and, and I'm not sitting here telling you I think positively every day, I still have really tough days, you know, where the past comes back and I think about it. And But the thing is, all you can do is put one foot in front of the other and be the best person you can moving forward. Yeah. You know, it's important to look back and reflect. And it's important to address what you've done and try and make up for that. But it's more important to be present now and think about what you're doing now. Gregor, good to see you. <laughs> Seen him for ages. What have what did it take to get you there? I know it's 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 very marginal steps. It's that step forward each day, but to get out of that mindset of when things get really hard. When it when that when that knife comes back and says, you know, th this happened and the impact is coming back to me and it's hitting me harder than ever yeah. to say. And I think that's where the mindset comes in, whether you're saying I'm just going to think positive and, and flush it down or I'm going to look it right in the eyes and say, I need to confront this and I'm going to go right through it. I think um, I think being honest, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. That's the, I'd love to stand here and say, well, one day this is what I did. But it was a long, slow, painful process where you take each day at a time for a little while. Um, I'd put my family in a horrendous position, eating out of food banks um, and no one's fault but my own. And it took over a year for my wife to take me back. And... I think that helped. Um, but what really helped was that while she didn't take me back, she still brought the children to see me every day. She was still on the end of the phone when I needed her, but she made it clear that I needed to get better before I could come back in that family environment. And it was the right thing. And I think if anyone out there is lucky enough to have a family and children, you don't need much more of a driver than that. You know, when all the, the alcohol fog has cleared and you actually see life for what it is and you see what you've done to your family it was either give up which you know between however many thousand of us are watching this now I did give up back in 2019 and nearly died twice and if it hadn't have been for having that support around me I don't think I could have done it is the honest answer which is another reason why community is so important because not everyone's got that familial support but I think a community can provide that and that's been another driver for why I've been so keen to see the community succeed because you see people come into the community struggling and, and later, you know, they might leave after six months and you never hear from them again, but it doesn't matter because you know that it's worked for them. Was yeah, that one, the answer to your question or yeah. did I just go off on a tangent? <laughs> one of the things you do very well is articulating the struggle, which I think a lot of people as they go through the different phases, whether it's success or failure, being able to consciously articulate it so others can learn from it. I think that's the hardest thing to do. And we see all these books and, you know, all these, the, the influencers talking about thoughts become things and manifesting and yeah. you know, all of these different words that sound great, but how do we put them into practice? You know, I, that was one of the things when I was getting out of baseball that I was looking for the answer I was, you know, I, I wasn't looking for there the one. to ask myself and there's not, there's really not an answer. No. Um, and I think any, any influencer out there, 
I mean, who tells you this is the way to do this or this is the way to do that? Excuse my French, but it's bollocks. It's different for all of us. It depends where we've come from, what our experiences are, what our hopes and aspirations are, what familial support or not we have around us, the education that we have. And it's, I read, it, I'm re, I read a lot of books, uh, a lot of fiction as well, which is my form of escape. And one of the books I read recently was, um, said that we all wear costumes. And these costumes are built up from all of our life experiences up until that point. And I love that because I think it's so true. And if you're using that costume analogy, you can change a costume. You don't have to wear it forever. Uh, and by that, it's baby steps. It's taking small steps every day to make changes in your life and being consistent with it. And if you can be, I mean, you're a professional sports person, Greg, you know the importance of consistency. And it's you can apply that to any part of your life. If you do something consistently, you form habits. And not all habits are bad. And it's replacing those bad habits with good habits. Great example. I used to be pretty physically fit. For the last five or six years, I haven't been. I've started swimming, um, walking and cycling recently, not to do a triathlon, just to try and be able to breathe when I walk upstairs. But what yep. I hadn't done is done any weights for a long time. So a friend of mine's a personal trainer, saw him on Monday at the gym, did upper body absolutely fine, saw him Wednesday, did legs and back. And I can't walk upstairs at the moment. <laughs> Honestly, I can't take my shoe off. Um, I was in London with my son looking for venues for a conference yesterday and we had to avoid stairs wherever we went. But I know for a fact that if I keep doing that, it's not always going to be like that. And I'll then see improvement. And I think it's, it's having that belief in yourself is the most important thing. But in, until you've got that, everything's a struggle, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I've gotten big into the the stress versus the de-stress because a lot of times exercise and I saw this through sports, but I didn't really understand it till, you know, probably just six months, you know, maybe a year ago where when you do any exercise, even if it's exercising your ankle and you realize it gets sore and then it recovers, it gives you a lens on everything you're doing in life. Yeah. You're putting this stress on your body. But it, it, if you look at it in the right way, it, it de-stresses because it builds it up so that next time you're not as sore. Yeah, I, I really you're, hope you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I promise, just keep drinking water and it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll subside. Um, Maybe I should stretch more next time, right? <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of... Uh, but you hit on the key point of costumes. I think a lot of people aren't conscious of this and i want to kind of yeah. shed light on it i i call it masks because it's very yeah. easy to put on a mask it's a yeah. it's a one piece you can you can go into the bathroom and put on a new mask and then you go out and you you're you're a completely different person um and i had to do that with baseball you you know we would be on the mound um you had to be like very like no emotion nonchalant like if something yeah. bad happened they didn't want you to show emotion because that was kind of you were showing your weakness to the opponent so when I got into business, multiple companies that I started failed because of that habit that I had where- Is this the, you need the opposite in business, right? Exactly. You have to be able yeah. to connect and be able to yeah. show that emotion so that people realize how much you care. I think, and, I think again, it's, it's back to the psychology of, of life in general that people buy off people. People don't buy products or services. 
unless it's you know something you're going online to buy for a couple of dollars or whatever but if it's a meaningful purchase people buy off people and i think that's the most important thing for people to realize in business that it's you've you've got to wear your heart on your sleeve to a certain extent but again perhaps there's a time and a place where not to overshare and for anyone else who's got adhd they'll know that oversharing is something that we're really good at and again it's it's learning when to just shut your mouth isn't it and knowing when to open your mouth and use these rather than that which i'm really bad at (laughs) no you do but but it's you're able to articulate something in a clear series of words that is is going to impact that other person i think that's where we all become empowered when somebody comes back and it's not the acknowledgement it's just somebody saying that is what i needed to hear today to get me through the mess that i'm going through and have a little bit clear of a path forward you know it's it's important to identify the people out there who are genuinely trying to help and the people who are out there trying to genuinely help themselves as well and i think true character will always shine through and there's there's an awful lot of influencers on linkedin who purport to be helping other people when in reality it's all a little bit of a game and a mask perhaps that they're wearing to further their own financial gain am i being cynical here i don't know no i think uh I don't know if you've heard of Zig Ziglar, but it just, he pops up in a lot of circles that, you know, I associate with or read books in or, you know, go to conferences about. And he are, and John Maxwell kind of, he continues to say this in every talk he gives. When you help other people get what you, what they want, you often get what you want. Yeah. Who, who knew that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, complete lack of intention, complete lack of direction other than wanting to be involved in an industry that I've got a passion for. But I've spent the last nearly three years trying to help other people and it has completely done that. And without wanting to sound mystical and talk like one of these people who talks about manifest yourself a Lamborghini, I don't necessarily believe that in totality However, I am, I, I mean, we're, we're talking books. I see Precious has dropped one in there that, that she's read and Gregor's mentioning Jung um, and Archetypes at the moment. For me, there was a book and it was called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And it's, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Greg, it's a little bit homophobic and misogynistic written in the 60s you've got to take that away from the core bits of the book, which talk about the brain as a goal setting mechanism. And along with reading about Buddhism back in 2019 and studying for my CompTIA A plus, which is a lot about peripherals and hardware, the it's again, these things all linking up at the right time. It was talking about your brain being, um, sorry, the, your eyes and your ears being like the peripherals, the, the speakers, the microphone, the input devices, and your brain then taking all this information in. But then the processor works in your subconscious when you're asleep. And if you think about when you have your best ideas for work or whatever it might be, it's never when you're sat at your desk. It's when you're in the bath, in the shower, or wake up halfway through the night and think, 
That's a great idea. And that's the power of the subconscious, isn't it? And I think for me, it really helped me understand how historically I'd managed to achieve so much and I'd also managed to destroy everything so quickly because it was the same thing that had done it. And again, I suppose you could call that manifesting. I don't know what the actual term is, but I'm sure there's loads of other books. I mean, that was the first ever self-help book. So every other book that's being dropped in here now, there will be a link back to what was said in that original book. So I'd recommend that that people take a look at that. But your your actions, I'm not a, I'm not a religious man, um, but I am a little bit spiritual now. And I think back to the name of your show, which is perfect for this comment, we're all connected. And I think the sooner people realize that and we start treating each other with a bit more respect and trying to help people, you said it like less than five minutes ago, it helps you. There's no such thing as altruism because helping other people makes you feel fantastic. It's like birthdays. What do you prefer, receiving a present or giving a present? For me, it's that look on someone else's face when they get something that you've given them that means something. And I think if you relate that, if you try and spend a bit of your time each week reaching out and helping other people, it's really good for you. Although, caveat to that, you can't help everyone. And not everyone's in a position where they can be helped. And I think that's an important lesson to learn that it took me probably 18, 18 to, to, to 18 months to two years to work out that sometimes trying to help the wrong people is a really bad decision. So having that skill where you can identify the right and the wrong people to help is also pretty useful. I think that's a skill. Do you think that's a, and, and you went back to peripherals and subconscious kind of the, the hardware yeah. versus software, because I'm always fascinated by, how mankind created the computer to be so similar to the way that our mind works from a hardware software standpoint. Yeah. Everything's created in our own, in our own image, right? Go, mm -hmm. Going back, I should have said this yeah. before, going back to something you said before, it was a compliment. My mum would be so pleased. You said that I'm good at articulating things. So I was privately, I was adopted as a baby and sent to private school by my adopted parents. And I was the poor kid at private school, which I think helped to form my ideas of success being financial from a very young age, because I was looking at all my peers around me thinking, why haven't I got that stately home or that car? And anyway, um, I left there for a couple of reasons. Um, at 13, my parents split up, maybe 12, 12, 13. And my mum was struggling to pay the fees. It was an expensive school. She only worked. There's no one else in the house. She's not a wealthy lady. So I may have got myself expelled um, from the school. And I did that to try and help my mum. She was mortified because her dream was for me to become, I don't know what, some kind of professional that I never have. But she thinks that she's wasted all that money. And I, I'm going to show her this when I go, because she's at end of life with Parkinson's mum at the minute, but we, I still see her every day. And I'm going to show her this video and say, look, those fees you spent. Greg says I can articulate things. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a win in my book. I mean, it's, yeah. but that process, you know, would you be the Simon you are today without? No. No, and, and and we and we said this at the start. There's a, a speech by Steve Jobs, and if you haven't seen it, it's called Connecting the Dots, and I recommend you do because I've done some random jobs. So I left school, sold mobile telephones when they were this big, 
um, had a paper round like lots of people do at school, sold double glazing, sold frozen fish at the back of a van, um, knocking on doors, selling stuff. I then lived in the Canary Islands in Tenerife and used to be a pirate. Um, well, that's not actually true. Worked on a mock pirate galleon running booze cruises. So riding around, had a team of sellers on mopeds in Tenerife, selling tickets to tourists and selling them boat trips. If anyone out there has been in sales and think that selling in cyber is hard, try selling to 15 Welsh rugby players on the street in Las Americas tickets for a boat party, because I'm telling you, it's a lot more difficult. And I think I've labored on building sites, I've dug holes, I've picked vegetables, I've topped and tailed carrots, you know, back when I was younger. And I remember vividly some of these jobs, absolutely hating every minute of it and thinking, what a waste of time, what am I doing here? But you know what? Every single one of those jobs, every single one of them is part of that puzzle that's become a whole piece now. And I think for anyone struggling through a shitty job at the moment, believe you me, in 10, 15, 20 years time, maybe when you're as old as me, I'm 50 next year. Can you believe it? Maybe these these things will, not maybe, these things will suddenly become clear. Well, do you know what? That was really useful, actually. So just bear that in mind if you're doing a job you hate at the moment. It's it's the tapestry that we're all intertwining together. You, you you know you reference it as a puzzle. Yeah. One of the questions that I always try to ask people around me, and this is one of the reasons we created the show because I realized a lot of conversations taking place in the business world, but in the personal world, is it's surface level. It's what do you do for a living? You know where are you headed? Maybe. You know what yeah. have, what what have you experienced? But nobody gets to that second and third level, and that's where the magic happens at the end of the day. So I think it's, yeah, you know, it's taking that tapestry, that question of where have I been that makes us uniquely, that makes myself uniquely qualified to be where I want to go. And I think a lot of people bury that because they don't think that that past experience makes them relevant to where they want to go. I think especially, especially in this industry, um, people don't look at their past experience anywhere near enough. There's so much crossover between different industries and this one with the skill sets. And I mean, I've seen so much on LinkedIn and beyond the last few weeks about more and more interview questions around soft skills. And I think anyone who's been in sales, relationship management, worked in a bar, worked in a supermarket, you, you know, you, you've got you've got skills there that you're probably not even aware of. And I suppose this goes back to the mindset thing and understanding what your idea of success is and what you actually want to do rather than doing what I did for 30 odd years, which is following other people's idea of success. And I think the sooner you can understand what success actually means to you, not to everyone else around you, but to you, the sooner you'll find your place and be happy. Yeah, absolutely. It takes, it takes that clarity. It's, it's not the same for everybody that they need to ask themselves the same questions. But one of the things we started doing in our apprenticeship program was asking each individual, you know, after they were accepted, do a clarity exercise and understand what makes you qualified. Sorry, my dog is, is going crazy at somebody walking by, but she's just saying hi to everybody on the on the show here. What's her name? Uh, Scarlett. Hey, Scarlett. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but helping them do a clarity exercise on what they've been through and you know where they want to go and just that level of connection to that story allows them you know grocery clerks bartenders 
um, people who are landscapers, they have gone through this program and at, by the end gotten a, a sock job or now they're a pen tester because they had the ability to say, I'm a person, you're a person, I have experiences that make me qualified and here's how I'm able to articulate those. And that that's where the magic happens and that's where people start to understand that you're a person and not just a, I want to be a sock analyst and review logs or I want to be a pen tester. And that spans across any industry. It does. I think self-discovery is massively missing in most people's thought processes when they look at, at breaking into the industry. And, and again, I'm going to say something controversial here. It's not This industry isn't for everyone. Um, I think these boot camps who tell you, pay us the money and, and we'll turn you into this professional are, are the worst of the worst. Because one, there isn't a single pathway. Because back to everything Greg and I have just said, it's about what you bring to the table, which is different for all of us. And secondly, do you really want to be a pen tester? Is, are you going to enjoy that? Because I thought I love tech. I love having my hands on a keyboard. I thought that's what I wanted to do. But really, I thought I wanted to do that because of the fact I'd get to wear a hoodie and do things wrong and get paid for it. What I didn't realize is 50% of your job is reporting. I hate doing reports. I spent 25 years in financial services doing that. I never want to do it again. Again, it's it's taking the time to understand all of the roles in the industry. And, and the community, InfoSec Live, Precious recently ran an eight-week workshop for 30 cohorts. And the big part of that at the start was exposing them to different professionals in different roles in the industry to give them an understanding of what those jobs actually were. And the amount of people who came in wanting to be red teamers after four weeks, they didn't. You know, they, again, t before you embark on the journey, make sure you've done the research on yourself and the market to make sure that your dream is the right one and it's going to be exactly what you want when you get there. Yeah, and you know, that that's the hard part is, is it just about the role or is it about, and, and I think that spans across anything we're doing in a relationship, yeah. in a you know, in the car we buy, in the, you know, the house we buy, is it just to say that you're in that house or in that car or in that mindset or reading that book? Or is it actually cutting through that temporary fix and you're actually looking at what is going to be achieved or what you're going to feel like at the, on the other side of that? Yeah, I think that's, that's so important. It's not something that none of us really do enough, I don't think. Yeah. It's not. So let me throw it back to you then. So I don't know if you've ever had a chance to share your journey on here, but let's talk about when you finished playing baseball, what were your next steps? What were your dreams for the future? Or were your dreams baseball and then all of a sudden it wasn't baseball? What happened? Yeah, I, was a, I had a unique story because in college I started a company that had a cyber attack. And that's what kind of brought me back to the industry. So I was you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was, you know, I was going to go coach some lessons in baseball, but then I saw people around me who, you know, they were just coaching all day and coaching was great because you're able to, to teach people all those messy and the clean lessons that I learned throughout it. Yeah. But there was a lot of depression along that path because what you start to do is you start to look up to people who are, you feel like are on the next step, on the next step, on the next step. But what I realized is the people that were actually happy, they were looking at the issues they had in their life and they were sharing them with others. 
And, you know, whether they were making a hundred bucks a day or they were making a million bucks a day, that was the common trait that I saw where I was looking at all the messiness that was in my past that could potentially help somebody, whether that was in baseball or in life. And I just started to share that in cybersecurity because I had that cyber attack was just one of those things that I was really passionate about because I found, I saw that pain. I felt it. And I said, I know, I know people are going to go through this in the future. You know, why not set something up or go into a job where I can tell people this story and they can walk away from that exchange, whether it's three minutes or, you know, 30 minutes with a, here's a few things I can do to make sure I don't experience what that person did. And I think one of the hardest things is it's goes back to that burn. If they don't get the burn, then they don't feel it. But what the misstep I made, because I was in that baseball mindset of, you know, show no emotion, you know, make sure you're just, you know, crystal clear on certain things until I was able to kind of break it down in that emotional journey that I went through nobody was connecting to it. It was just, oh, this guy had a cyber attack. He's just the fear monger or the person that's trying to scare me into it. So I had to completely shift my mindset and put it on its head and and change the way I was operating my entire life. And you've got you've got to make it relatable to the people you're talking to, haven't you? I think, mm-hmm. you know, it, it you've got to have fear, uncertainty and doubt in this industry because it's full of it. But a lot of the marketing by companies plays at it the wrong way. And I think generic FUD has never worked. Um, coming from that financial services background, we used to advise and set up a lot of insurance plans for people. And you probably wouldn't get away with this now, but they, we're talking late 90s. I worked for a company called Sun Life Financial of Canada, based in the UK. And this is the first time I ever had a laptop for work. And the laptop was, I haven't really got anything to show you, it came in a bag like this wide and that deep and it had a printer in it as well. And you'd get to the appointment, you'd unzip this big bag and you'd spend 15 minutes setting it all up. And then you'd talk through what we call the fact find process, which is the same as the data gathering you do with a client in cybersecurity or any other industry. And then you'd get onto the conversations around protection. You know, what protection do you have in place? Oh, I'll waste of money. I've got any of that. No, no protection. Don't bother. Okay. Um, and then there was, a, there was this horrendous slideshow that they'd given us on our laptops. And I think I might have told you this before. But there were, you press the button and a picture of a family came up, typical family, mum, dad, you know, not a typical family anymore, but mum, dad, son, daughter. And you press the button and the next slide comes up and the dad's gone. And you go, okay, so... At this point, you'd got them to talk through all the bills that they had coming out of the bank every month. You'd gone through the hard facts. You'd seen what it is that it costs. You'd say, okay, um, imagine Billy, for example, the dad, got hit by a bus yesterday. And I always used to say it in the past because I thought that I'd be talking it up if I said it in the future or the present. What bills would stop? Oh, um, well, the mortgages still need paying. This is still need paying. Okay. And what have you got in place to deal with that? Well, well, well nothing. I don't think. Okay, brilliant. And then it got worse. The next one, press it again. Then the mum disappears. <laughs> and it's like, now what? Now we're talking wills and estate planning, right? So what what happens to your children? You know, if, if you'd have both been on that bus yesterday when that crash happened, who's looking after little Billy and Billina? Who's looking after them? Have you got a trust set up? What money would they have to look after them? Who's providing the care? Because 
if you haven't done that, the state are going to get involved and sort that out. And whilst that was brutal way to do it, it again, it's making it relatable. Same as you're talking about in cybersecurity. We need one of those slideshows for businesses, right? <laughs> I think it's maybe the wrong way to do it, but but getting people to relate and actually think about their own circumstances should those things happen. Again, relating it back to cybersecurity is, is the only way we're going to, we're going to see an improvement in engagement from some companies, I think. And a lot of the big vendors out there, that isn't the approach they take. You know, it's all about 94% of smaller companies have suffered a breach forever. And who gives a shit? People don't care. It's not going to happen to me. I'm too small. It's not going to happen to me. I'm in this industry. And I don't know. I think that's where our industry has gone wrong when it comes to the sales tactics. But what do I know? <laughs> Well, I think it's the same with personal development. It's 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 really exactly the same. I think they've done they're doing a little bit better job just on average on saying doing what you said on here's some situations and experiences that could happen. Yeah. But not using that as the point of action. It's here's what you could do potentially yeah, to address it's, it. It's flipping it. It's flipping it on its head, like you said earlier on in the chat, and giving them actionable points and intel so they can leave that meeting or that document that they've finished reading or that presentation that they've just flicked through or that video that they've watched. They can walk away from that and they've got tangible things they can do to actually make a difference. Then if it comes to a point where they need more help than that, guess who they're going to come back to? That's, but again, that's, yeah. anyone who works in sales, that don't pay the bills. <laughs> so so I, I do understand I haven't been in professional and unprofessional sales for like 30 years of my life. I feel the pain of founders and salespeople out there. The real problem is the way their, their salary and target structure has been done, I think, in this industry. That's where the chain needs to, change needs to be. You see CISOs and leaders moaning about, this salesperson, that salesperson for the outreach, they're just doing what they've been told. They've got targets to hit. They've got a numbers game to play. And until that changes and we take your approach, which is a more consultative approach to the problem, people won't engage. Yeah, it's that short-term versus long-term thinking. And that's the hardest yeah. thing in sales or building a company is we, we yeah. need or we want immediate results, yeah. which makes us not do what's in the best interest potentially of that other person. Yeah. When, when we're a long-term thinker, I think this is where the coaching business has thrived with the Ooh. internet because yeah. the right coaches put out all the information and they recognize a key point that everything in the environment, everything in our individual lives and community lives changes on a continual basis. So it Done. needs readjustment. But if you're fear mongering somebody into acting, into that short-term buy, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not going to give you the information until you pay me. And then you're yeah. probably, you're probably going to think I un under delivered because you know, you weren't expecting it as opposed to over delivering all the information. And then as things change, you need to ask additional questions to provide that context. And that's the hardest thing to do. I think in business or sales is to have that longer term approach, but have that time frame to be able to build it. And that's the hard part because you want that immediate, you know, contract or you want that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not being, I mean, we, we both know you need that, right? You've got bills to pay. Businesses yeah. don't run themselves for free. I mean, 
we've, we've both sunk all of our personal financial capital into businesses in the past, Greg, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I used to make a thousand bucks a month in minor league baseball, and then I got out and started making some good money in cybersecurity working for other companies. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was in that same mindset of like, just chase six figures, chase Ooh. that next, you know, 10,000 in your, in your pay raises and things of that nature. And you realize that that's not, that's not happiness. It's not fulfillment when you're chasing just a number. Um, and, and you get burned. I mean, there was, at, when I got out of baseball, there was a lot of depression. A lot of people around me just pulled me into an environment of just numb the pain through alcohol and through, Maybe. through other things or, or just, putting a bandaid on everything that, you know, Oh, we're, I'm not a baseball player anymore. So I'm just, you know, somebody in a job. So it's that identity and those masks that you talked about earlier that you have to shed all that or else depression is going to come in and continue to come in. Um, and that's one of the reasons we created this show was just to talk about those types of connecting the dots, like you said, in a way that's unique to you so that you can battle through that, that process, because we're all going to go through it. Social media doesn't help though, right? I mean, you 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 look on LinkedIn and and I'm as bad at this as <clears throat> as everyone else. You're always talking about your successes. This is going well, that's going well. Uh, just to put it into context, um, Andrew Bunch, good to see you, Andrew. It's been been ages. And he's moved from Tampa. Gutted about that. Because I'm not going to see you when I go back in a couple of weeks. When he was a private in the army, he got $820 a month in 2008. If you average what I've earned over the last two years. I reckon you were on more money than me. So just putting that into context, oh, look how well Simon's doing. You know, Simon is doing well because he's got a smile on his face. He's loving what he's doing, but yeah. he's certainly not earning a load of money. <laughs> but yeah. I think from my perspective, and I've been offered very highly paid jobs, especially over the last 12 months in the industry, back in sales again, but it isn't about the money for me now. It is about the money to pay my bills but I'm more concerned about helping other people, enjoying myself, being happy and having the time to spend with my family. And I think since I've realized that, that money doesn't make me happy, it's a necessary evil to pay the bills, but you're no happier on half a million a year than you want a hundred thousand a year. In my opinion, you just got more shit that you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to be on a little bit more than eight hundred and twenty dollars a month. But we are, we are, we are getting there. But I've invested everything back in that we've done so far to the community. So if I host an event, I'll invest it back in, um, and it will pay off in the long run. And when I say it will pay off, I don't just mean financially, but I mean we can help more people, and that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, my my mindset around money was completely broken because it was I spend my time here and you know I get money in return. It's yeah. certificates of the level of your how you're serving others. And I think when we think about it like that, we reframe you know what money is, how we look at it, how we spend it. Because it becomes a the more value you create for others, more from a personal connection standpoint, because people buy from people, like you mentioned earlier. So when you make those personal connections, you know, the money comes over time. And I know a lot of people talk about that, but when we, when we look at it that way, as opposed to I deserve X or I deserve this because I feel I'm creating this level of value. Um, I heard, I think it was a rabbi who said that he said, that, you know, money is a certificate of, you know, rec yeah. not, rec not recognition, but you know, that value you're creating. And it's like, Holy cow, that that's spiritual at, 
at a different level where I think a lot of us have to go through the hard times, the, the lows and the highs of making a lot of money, not making a lot of money to realize yeah. that middle ground. Put it into I mean, I've, I've never, I don't think I've been, I'm not going to say poor. Um, we're not poor. We've had a holiday this year, but we, we watch what we spend on things. I mean, I've got loads of children, as you know, which obviously impacts that and a granddaughter now. Man. Um, but I'm happier now than I've ever been throughout my life. And I've been very wealthy throughout parts of my life and I've been very poor, but I haven't always been happy in the poor bits. There's not like a correlation there. It's back to getting this right, that mindset, which is what this show's all about. It's getting that right to start with. And I think how quickly life goes. I was desperately trying to look around for a picture of me surfing when I was in my 20s. So 25 years ago, every day I was getting up in at six in the morning, laying on a surfboard for an hour before work. And then having the time of my life in a very sunny, enjoyable climate. Wake up this morning. I'm 50 next year. Where's it gone? It's gone really quick. And I mean, I know I sound like one of those old people who say this to you when you're at school and younger, but it has just gone so fast. And I think the point I'm trying to make is the most precious commodity we have is time. And we have to choose wisely how to use that time and who to spend that time with. And whether that's work or personal life, money is not the important bit. Time is the commodity you need to worry about. Spending your time with the, with the people you want to spend it with that are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And I think another thing that um, always makes me feel better is random acts of kindness. And I don't mean random acts of kindness, going up to a homeless person in the street, giving them 10 bucks and taking a picture of yourself doing it. That's not an act of kindness. That's a vanity metric for LinkedIn likes, which you see all the time, right? But genuine acts of kindness, even if it's someone looks really miserable and you just, you say hello to them and you smile. It's, it's little things. And the more you can get into the habit of trying to improve other people's days, not for any other reason, other than you're trying to improve other people's days. It goes back to that, you know, it puts a massive smile on your face. I think that's that's the thing I've learned. I don't randomly walk around looking for homeless people, by the way. It was just an analogy. <laughs> that happens, though. It's a selfie that, you know, it just gave this person, you know, $5. and It does. Yeah, you see it all the time and you think, come on. You know, plus I'm sure that, I mean, I've been homeless. The last thing I'd have wanted was some smarmy twat to come along and take a picture of himself giving me $10 at the time. Yeah, yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, and, let, and let's I think if I just make, make one more yeah. comment. Yeah. And you said it earlier, and I want to go back to it. Everything changes. And that is the most important thing to remember in life is that things are good at the moment, but they won't always be. You're going to have tough times. You're going to have them. And you're going to have good times. And going back to the name of the show, it's all about making sure you've got the right mindset to deal with that and know that when you're going through those tough times, and Joe Wells is a great example of this, member of the community who himself has been through massive amounts of adversity. But he's got this right. He's one of the most determined people I know and also one of the most altruistic and keen to help other people because he's learned the value of that. He knows how important that is. And I think, Joe, like myself, you had certain people reach out and help you when you needed it. Like Greg did with me um, 12, 18 months ago. And it's 
paying that forward all the time. You've got to remember that. And especially when things are going well for you, they're not going well for everyone else. So just try and pay it forward. Like, like we all, I think most people on this stream and in the comments already do. And thanks, David, for the congratulations on the granddaughter. It's not making me feel old at all, but she is lovely. <laughs> what a process. What a miracle. Yeah, it's yeah, lovely. I, one of the, I just want to encourage people, and, and you hit on it a couple of times, is to speak your pain to those people around you. And it, that's not being negative all the time. And, oh, I've been, you know, I'm a victim of this, this, and this. But make that a part of your story because that's how people connect. And you never know who's on the other end of that conversation, what mindset they're in, because we're putting on a facade in front of them. Yeah. And when you speak to, and a lot of these lessons have commonalities in them. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the things every guest we've had on has been able to speak to those ups and the downs. And I think that's where people learn, you know, not just basking in the negative, but saying right. here was a negative. I made it a positive. Here was a positive. Maybe it became a negative. And, and really finding that balance because it all changes. We have to build a muscle just like we do with any muscle in our body, yeah. which is the mind. No, not my legs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You need to do some uh, do some leg stretches after this. Uh, I can't this bring stuff. myself to bend my knee. It's that bad at the moment. I literally can't. Um, I was going to say something then. Yeah, empathy. Mm -hmm. So I think putting yourself in other people's shoes. I used to be the worst person driving my car when it came to road rage and getting angry with other users, other drivers on the road. Now I'm like driving Miss Daisy, you know, pottering around in my car with a smile on my face. And I think you don't know if someone's driving up your backside, aggressively overtaking you, giving you the finger or whatever it might be. You've got to try and put yourself in their shoes. You don't know what day they've had. You don't know what's happened to them. And I think the more we can do that, the more life becomes better for all of us, right? Absolutely. Before we dive into the last question, Simon, how can folks find you? How can they connect with you? How can they continue just, to just send, up, send up the InfoSec live signal on the nearest cloud and um, I'll get there as soon as I possible. No, just joking. I'll, um, we're not there yet. I'll get my LinkedIn profile um, just up on here quickly and I'll give you a link for anyone who hasn't joined the community to come along and join. I'd highly recommend that if people are out there who are needing support or alternatively would like to support others, I can't put it in the chat, can I? Because that's not my live stream. I'm going to put it in the private chat at the bottom for you to copy and paste, Marami. Don't um, copy the above one because that's the link I sent you earlier before the show. Perfect. That could go wrong. Got you? it. Yeah, it's, it's in the <laughs> chat. Simon, I want to acknowledge you one more time for the ability to articulate some oh, let me trouble. record this bit from a mum. Say again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's who it's for. And I hope she watches this because I'm going to make her. Yeah. That struggle you went through when you went from, from school to school and you got yourself expelled. I think I should, I should also mention that I ran away from home um, at 15, ended up sleeping on the streets in Cambridge for a long time. My mum was driving around pulling her hair out. I put her through hell, mate, is what I did when I was younger. But do you know what? Again, Things happen for a reason. My mum and I were never that close. But the last three or four years, when she's needed me, I've all of a sudden realised how much I love her and how much she's done for me throughout my life. So it's, again, as much as I'm sort of saying, I'll show her this video as proof, 
she said to me for the first time in my life about four months ago that she was proud of me. And uh, at nearly 50, to hear your mum finally say that is pretty damn good. So, yeah, sorry for interrupting. I'll shut no, up now. That, that makes it all worth it. That, that's that's yeah. what I wanted to acknowledge is just the ability to share in a tangible way that it's it's not all it's not all perfect at the end of the day. And that's what you've intertwined into your community. And I think that level of connection is something that we all need more of and what we're hoping to accomplish through this show, you know, more community, more connection and more, you know, mindset that's going to help set people up to achieve whatever they want to achieve. It's not just about cybersecurity. It's I, lo I love, I love the idea for this show. I think it's amazing. Um, highly recommend anyone who's interested to come on and be a guest. Is there a way that people can reach out to you? What's the way they do that? You see, you're talking about how do people connect with me? Well, what about if people want to connect with you, Greg, and come on here? How do they do that? Yep. I'm going to paste the uh, link here. People can apply to become a guest. And um, there's an application process. I didn't have to go through one of those. What is this? <laughs> you uniquely applied. Um, but just, just to make sure we're, we're scheduling things appropriately. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pulling your leg. So. So Simon, one final question we like to ask every guest that we bring on the show. I'm it's a curveball. Appreciative of you. <laughs> what does connection mean to Simon? When you think about the word connection, you know, what comes to mind? I'll give you two answers. One, I live in a very rural location. Um, so mobile network connection springs to mind because I haven't got any. But the actual answer for that would be Precious has just nailed it in the chat. It's like she read my mind then. InfoSec Live, our community, that's what connection is all about. Yeah. Thanks, Precious. Nicely done. I love it. I love it. Everybody go connect with Simon and the InfoSec Live community. They're doing a lot more than just information security and, and careers. They're, they're building a community that means something way beyond what you ever anticipated it to be. And that's, that's so special to see. And I want to encourage everybody, you know, try to find your community and try to help build it and further it. I think, I think the only, anything I'll just add into that. I know we are over time, but there are other communities out there. Um, Simply cyber is one I'd probably like to drop in and, and mention because Jerry Ogier's doing some amazing work and he actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to cyber, whereas I don't. So if you're looking for a more professional community who can actually give you some advice and tips, I'd highly recommend there. And don't forget the Valor cybersecurity community. You know, LinkedIn itself is a community. Please do like, share, subscribe to this channel if you can, and follow Greg and Valor and support them as much as you can on LinkedIn. Simon. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that, that, that was just, that was the DJ. That was the disc. Me with I normally do that with the buttons. <laughs> that was the disc jockey in me. I was Love just it. mixing it up a little bit. But Simon, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure. Looking forward to sharing this episode and the impact it had on people. Looking forward to continuing to connect and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. And thanks everyone for tuning in and, and engaging. It's been amazing. Greg, thank you so much. I hope to catch you soon. Absolutely.